Section 42 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chiao Xuqing, translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie, Chapter 46, Part 1. An improper man with difficulty keeps from improprieties. The maid, Yunyang, vows to break off the marriage match. Lin Yu, to resume our story, dropped off gradually to sleep about the close of the fourth watch. As there is therefore nothing more that we can for the present say about her, let us take up the thread of our narrative with Lady Fong. Upon hearing that Madame Singh wanted to see her, she could not make out what it could be about. So hurriedly putting on some extra things on her person and head, she got into a carriage and crossed over. Madame Singh at once dismissed every attendant from her suite of apartments. I sent for you, she began, addressing herself to Lady Fong in a confidential tone not for anything else but on account of something which places me on the horns of a dilemma my husband has entrusted me with a job and being quite at my wits ends how to act i'd like first to consult with you my husband has taken quite a fancy to yunyang who is in our worthy seniors rooms so much so that he is desirous to get her into his quarters as a secondary wife. He has deputed me, therefore, to ask her of our venerable ancestor. I know that this is quite an ordinary matter, yet I can't help fearing that our worthy senior may refuse to give her. But do you perchance see a way to bring this concern about? Lady Fong listened to her. You shouldn't, I say. Go and bang your head against a nail, she then vehemently exclaimed. Where our old ancestor separated from Yuanyang, she wouldn't even touch her eyes. However could she reconcile herself to part from her? Besides, our worthy senior has time and again said, in the course of a chat, that she can't see the earthly use of a man well up in years, as your lord and master is, having here one concubine and there another, that cooping them up in his rooms is a mere waste of human beings, that he neglects his constitution and doesn't husband it, and that he doesn't either attend diligently to his official duties, but spends his whole days in boozing with his young concubines. When your ladyship hears these nice doings of his, don't you feel enamored with that fine gentleman of ours? Were he even to try at this juncture to beat a retreat, he couldn't, I fear, effectively do so. Yet, instead of making an effort to turn tail, he wants to go and dig the tiger's nostrils with a blade of straw. Don't, my lady, be angry with me, but I daren't undertake the errand. It's clear as day that it will be a wild goose chase. What's more, it will do him no good. 
but will contrarywise heap disgrace upon his own head. Our Mr. Jia She is now so stricken in years that in all his actions he unavoidably behaves somewhat as a dotard. It would be well, therefore, for your ladyship to advise him what to do. It isn't as if he were in the prime of life to be able to do all these things with impunity. He's got at present a whole array of brothers, nieces, sons, and grandsons. And should he still go on in this wild sort of way, how will he be able to face any of them? Madame Singh gave a sardonic smile. There are endless wealthy families with three and four concubines, she said. And is it in ours that such a thing won't do? But were I even to tender him as much advice as I can, it isn't at all likely that he'll abide by it, even though that maid be one beloved by our venerable senior. It doesn't follow that she'll very well be able to give a rebuff to a hoary bearded elderly son and a while an official. Were he to express a wish to have her as an inmate of his household, I sent for you for no other purpose than to deliberate with you. And here you take the initiative and enumerate a whole array of shortcomings. But is there any reason why I should commission you to go? Of course, I'll go and speak to her. You make a bold statement that I don't give him any good counsel. But don't you yet know that with a disposition such as his, he rushes, before I can very well open my lips to advise him, into a tantrum with me. Lady Fong was well alive to the fact that Madame Singh was, by nature, simple and weak-minded, and that all she knew was to adulate Jia so as to ensure her own safety, that she was, in the next place, ever ready, so greedy was she, to grasp as much hard cash and as many effects as she could lay hold of for her own private gain, that she left all family matters irrespective of important or unimportant under the sole control of Jia but that whenever anything turned up involving any receipts or payments, she extorted an unusual percentage. The moment the money passed through her clutches, giving out as a pretense, well, Jia She is so extravagant that I have to interfere and effect sufficient economies to enable us to make up our deficits. And that she would not trust anyone, whether son, daughter, or servant, nor lend an ear to a single word of remonstrance. When she therefore now heard Madame Singh speak as she did, she concluded that she must be in another of her perverse moods, and that any admonitions would be of no avail. So, hastily forcing a smile, My lady, she observed, you are perfectly right in your remarks. But how long can I have lived, and what discrimination can I boast of? It seems to me that, if a father and mother do not bestow not a mere servant girl like she is, but a living jewel of the size of her on one like Mr. Jia to whom are they likely to give her? How can one give faith to words spoken behind one's back? So what a fool I was in cramming what I heard down my throat. Just take our Mr. Secundus, that is, my husband, as an instance. 
If ever he does anything to incur blame, Mr. Joshua, and you, my lady, feel so rough with him as to only wish you could lay hands upon him there and then and give him such a blow as would kill him downright. But the moment you set eyes on his face, your whole resentment vanishes. And lo, you again let him have, as of old, everything and anything, much though both of you might relish it in your hearts. Our worthy ancestor will certainly, therefore, behave in the present instance with equal liberality towards Mr. Joshua. So, if her ladyship feels in the humor today, she'll let him have her, I fancy, at once this very day, if he makes the proper advances. But I'll go ahead and coax our venerable senior, and when your ladyship comes over, I'll find some pretense to get out of the way, and take along with me those two who may be present in her rooms, so as to make it convenient for you to broach the subject. If she gives her, so much the better. But if even she doesn't, it won't matter. For none of the inmates will have any idea what the object of the mission could have been. After listening to her suggestion, Madame Singh began again to feel in a happier frame of mind. My dear years, she observed, that I shouldn't start by mentioning anything to our venerable senior. For were she to say that she wouldn't give her, the matter would be simply quashed on the head. I can't help thinking that I should first and foremost quietly approach Yuan Yang on the subject. She will, of course, feel extremely ashamed, but when I explain everything minutely to her, she will certainly have nothing to say against the proposal, and everything will be all right. I can then speak to our old senior, and despite any desire on her part, not to accede to our wishes, she won't be able to put the girl off, provided she herself be willing. For as the adage says, if a person wishes to go, it's no use trying to keep him. Thus, needless to say, the whole thing will be satisfactorily settled. You're really shrewd in your devices, my lady, Lady Feng smilingly ejaculated. This is perfect in every respect. For, without taking Yuan Yang into account, what girl does not long to rise high, or hope to exalt herself, or think of pushing herself forward above the rest as to cast away the chances of becoming half a mistress, and prefer instead being a maid, and merely becoming by and by the maid of some servant lad? Quite so, Madame Singh smiled. But let's put Yuan Yang aside. Who is there? even among the various elderly waiting mates who look after the house, who wouldn't be only too willing to step into these shoes. You'd better then go ahead. But mind, don't let the cat out of the bag. I'll join you as soon as I can finish my evening meal. Yuan Yang thereupon secretly reflected Lady Feng has always been an extremely shrill-minded girl, to such a degree that there is notwithstanding all our arguments no saying positively whether she'll accept or refuse. So were I to go ahead and Madame Singh to follow me by and by, there won't be any occasion for her to rumble or complain, so long as she assents. But if she doesn't, why, Madame Singh, who is so suspicious a creature, 
will possibly imagine that I've been guessing with her, and been a means of making her put on sight and assume high airs. When Madame Sin finds then that my conjectures have turned out true again, her shame will be converted into anger, and she'll so vent her spite upon me that I shall, after all, be put in a false position. Would it not be better than that she and I should go together? For if she says, yes, I'll be all right, and if she replies, no, I'll be on the safe side, and no suspicion of any kind will fall upon me. At the close of her reflections, as I was about to cross over here, she remarked laughingly, Our aunt yonder sent us two baskets of quails, and I gave orders that they should be fried, with the idea that they should be brought to your ladyship, in time for you to have some at your evening repast. Just as I was stepping inside the main entrance, I saw the servant boys carrying your curricle. They said that it was your ladyship's vehicle, that it had cracked, and that they were taking it to be repaired. Wouldn't it be as well then that you should now come in my carriage, for it will be better for you and me to get there together? At this suggestion, Madame Singh directed her servants to come and change her costume. Lady Fong quickly waited upon her, and in a while the two ladies got into one and the same curricle and drove over. My lady, Lady Fong went on to say, it would be well for you to look up our worthy senior, for were I to accompany you and her ladyship to ask me what was the object of my visit, it would be rather awkward. The best way is for your ladyship to go first, and I will join you as soon as I divest myself of my fine clothes. Madame Singh noticed how reasonable her proposal was, and she readily betook herself to only the jar's quarters. But after a chat with her senior, she quitted the apartment, under the pretense that she was going to Madame Wang's rooms. Then, making her exit by the back door, she passed in front of Yuan Yuan's bedroom. Here she saw Yuan Yuan sitting, hard at work at some needlework. The moment she caught sight of Madame Singh, she rose to her feet. What are you up to? Madame Singh lovingly inquired. Let me see. How much nicer you embroider artificial flowers now. So speaking, she entered and taking the needlework from her hands, she scrutinized it while extolling its beauty, then laying down the work and scanning her again from head to foot. She observed that her costume consisted of a half-new gray thin silk jacket and a bluish satin waistcoat with scallops. That below this came a water-green jupe that her waist was slim as that of a wasp, that her shoulders looked as if paired, that her face resembled a duck's egg, that her hair was black and shiny, that her nose was very high, and that on both her cheeks were slightly visible several small flat moles. Yuan Yang realized how intently she was being passed under scrutiny and began to feel inwardly uneasy while utter astonishment prevailed in her mind. Madam, she felt impelled to ask, what do you come for at this impossible hour? At a wink from Madame Singh, her attendants withdrew from the room. Madame Singh forthwith seated herself and grasped Yuan's hands in hers. I've come, she smiled, with the special purpose of presenting you my congratulations. 
this reply enabled Yuan Yuan at once to form within herself some surmise more or less correct of the object of her errand. And suddenly, blushing crimson, she lowered her head and uttered not a word. You know well enough, she next heard Madame Singh resume, that there's not a single reliable person with my husband. But much though we'd like to purchase some other girl, we fear that such as might come out of a broker's household wouldn't be quite spotless and taintless, nor would one be able to get any idea what her failings are, until after she has been purchased and brought home, when she too will be sure in two or three days to behave like an imp and play some monkey tricks. That's why we thought of choosing some home-born girl out of those who'd thrown in our mansion. But then again, we could find none decent enough, for if her looks were not at fault, her disposition was not proper. And if she possessed this quality, she liked that one. Hence it is that after repeatedly choosing with dispassionate eye during half a year, he finds that there is only you among that whole bevy of girls who's worth anything, that in looks, behavior, and deportment, you're gentle, trustworthy, and perfection itself in every respect. His intention, therefore, is to ask your hand of our old lady and take you over and attach you to his quarters. You won't be treated as one newly purchased or newly sought from outside. For the moment you put your foot into our house, you'll at once have your face shaved and be promoted to a secondary wife. So you'll thus attain as much dignity as honor. More you're one who is anxious to excel. And as the proverb says, gold will still be exchanged for gold. My husband has, who have thought it, taken a fancy to you. So when you now enter our threshold, you fulfill the wish you have cherished all along with such high purpose and lofty aim, and stop the mouths of those persons who are envious of your lot. Follow me therefore and let's go and lay the matter before our venerable ancestor. Arguing the while, she dragged her by the hand with the idea of hurrying her off there and then. Yuan Yang, however, blushed to her very ears, and snatching her hand out of her grip, she refused to budge. Madame Singh was conscious that she was under the spell of intense shame. Was there in this to be ashamed? She continued, you needn't, besides, breathe a word. All you have to do is to follow me, that's all. Yuan Yang continued to droop her head and to decline to go with her. Madame Singh, perceiving her behavior, went on to exalt her. Is it likely, pray, she said, that you still hesitate? If you actually don't feel inclined to accept the offer, you are, in real truth, a foolish girl. For here you let go the chances of becoming the secondary consort of a master, and choose instead to continue a servant girl. You'll be united in two or three years to no one higher than some young domestic, and remain as much a bond servant as ever. If you come along with us, you know that my disposition too is gentle, that I'm not one of those persons who don't show any regard for anyone, that my husband will also treat you as well as he does everyone else, and that when, in the course of a year or so, you give birth 
to a son or daughter, you'll be placed on the same footing as myself. And of all the servants at home, do any of you may wish to employ not deign to move to execute your orders? If now that you have a chance of becoming a mistress, you don't choose to, why, you'll miss the opportunity and then you may repent it. But it will be too late. Yuan Yang still kept her head bent against her chest and spake not a syllable by way of reply. How is it, added Madame Singh, that you, who've ever been so quick, have now too begun to be so infirm of purpose? What is there that doesn't fall in with your wishes? Just tell me, and I can safely assure you that you'll have everything done to satisfy you. Yuan Yang observed, as hitherto, in perfect silence. I suppose, laughed Madame Singh, that having a father and mother, you yourself don't wish to speak for fear of being put to the blush, and that you want to wait until such time as they consult you about it, huh? This is quite right, but you better let me go and make the proposal to them and tell them to come and ascertain your wishes. And whatever your answer then may be, just entrust it to them. This said, she sped into Lady Feng's suite of rooms. Lady Feng had long ago changed her attire and availed herself of the absence of any bystander in her apartments to confide the whole matter to Ping Er. Ping Er nodded her head and smiled. According to my views, success is not so certain, she observed. She and I have often secretly talked this matter over, and the arguments I heard her propound don't make it the least probable that she'll consent. But all we can say now is, we'll see. Madame Singh, Lady Feng remarked, is sure to come over here to consult with me. If she has assented, well and good. But if she hasn't, she'll bring displeasure upon her own self. And won't you feel out of countenance if all of you are present? So tell the others to fry several quails and get anything nice that goes well with them and prepare it for our repast, while you can go and stroll about in some other spot and return when you fancy she has gone. Hearing this, Ping Er transmitted her wishes word for word to the matrons, after which she sauntered leisurely all alone into the garden. When Yin Yang saw Madame Singh depart, she concluded that she was bound to go into Lady Feng's room to consult with her, and that someone was sure to come and ask her about the proposal. So thinking it advisable to cross over to this side of the mansion to get out of the way, she consequently repaired in quest of Wu Po. Should our old mistress, she said to her, ask for me? Just say that I was so unwell that I couldn't even have any breakfast that I've gone into the garden for a stroll, but that I will be back at once. Wu Po undertook to tell her so, and Yuan Yang then betook herself too into the garden. While lolling all over the place, she, contrary to her expectations, encountered Peng Er. Peng Er looked round to see that there was no one about. Here comes the new secondary wife, she smilingly exclaimed. Yuan Yang caught this greeting, and promptly the color rose to her face. How strange it is, she rejoined, that you've all colluded together to come with one accord and schemed against me. 
but wait until I've had it out with your mistress, and then I will set things all right. When Ping Er observed the angry look on Yuan Yang's countenance, her conscience was so stricken with remorse on account of the inconsiderate remark she had passed that during her under the maple tree she made her sit on the same boulder as herself, and then went so far as to recount to her from beginning to end all that transpired and everything that was said on Lady Feng's return a short while back from the off mansion. Blushes through to Yuan Yang's cheeks. Facing Ping Er, she gave a sardonic smile. We've all ever been friends, she said. That is, Zhe Ren, Wu Po, Zhu Yun, Ji Zhuan, Chai Sha, Yue Chuan, She Yue, Choi Mo, Choi Lu, who was in Miss She's service and is now gone, Ke Ren and Jin Chuan, now deceased, Jin She, who left, and you and I, ever since our youth up, how many chats have the ten or dozen of us not had? And what have we not been up to together? But now that we've grown up, each of us has gone her own way. Yet my heart is just what it was in days gone by. Whenever there is anything for me to say or do, I don't try to impose upon any of you, so just first treasure in your heart the secret I'm going to tell you, and don't mention it to our Lady Secunda, not to speak of our senior master wishing to make me his concubine. Were even our lady to die this very moment, and he to send endless go-betweens and countless betrothal presents with the idea of wedding me and taking me over as his lawful primary wife, I wouldn't also go. Ping Er was at this point desirous to put in some observation, when from behind the boulder came audible the loud tones of laughter. You most bare-faced girl, a voice cried, it's well you are not afraid of your teeth falling when you utter such things. These words reached the ears of both girls, and so unawares were they taken that they got a regular start, and jumping up with all haste, they went to see behind the boulder. They found no one else than Jeren, who presented herself before them with a smiling countenance, and asked, What's up? Do tell me. As she spoke, the trio seated themselves on a rock. Pinger then imparted to Jeren as well the drift of their recent conversation. Probably speaking, we shouldn't pass such judgments, Jeren remarked after listening to her confidences. But this senior master of ours is really a most licentious libertine, so much so that whenever he comes across a girl with any good looks about her, he won't let her out of his grasp. Since you don't like to entertain his offer, Ping er suggested, I'll put you up to a plan. What plan is it? Yuan Yang inquired. Just simply tell our old mistress, Ping er laughed, this answer that you've already been promised to our master Secundus, Mr. Lin. Our senior master, then, won't very well be able to be importunate. Choi, ejaculated Yuan Yang. What a thing you are. Do you still make such suggestions? Didn't your master the other day utter this silly nonsense? Who have thought it? The words have now come true. If you won't have either of them, Jeren smiled. 
My idea is that you should tell our old lady point blank and ask her to give out that she promised you long ago to our master, number two, Bao Yu. Our senior master will then banish this fat from his mind. Yuan Yang was overcome with anger, shame, and exasperation. What dreadful visions both of you are, she shouted. You don't deserve a natural death. I find myself in a fix, and treat you as decent sort of persons, and confide in you so that you should arrange matters for me. And not to say that you don't bother yourselves a rap about me. You take turn and turn about to poke fun at me. You are under the impression, in your own minds, that your fates are sealed, and that both of you are bound by and by to become secondary wives. But I can't help thinking that affairs under the heavens don't so certainly foreign always with one's wishes and expectations. So you'd better now pull up a bit and not be cheeky to such an excessive degree. Both the companions then realized in what state of despair she was, and promptly forcing a smile. Dear sister, they said, don't be so touchy. We've been, ever since we were little mites, like very sisters. All we have done is to spontaneously indulge in a little fun in a spot where there is no one present. But tell us what you've decided to do so that we too should know, and set our minds at ease. Decided what? Yun Yang cried. All I know is that I won't go. That's finished. Ping Er shook her head. You mightn't go, she interposed, but it isn't likely that the matter will drop. You're well aware what sort of temperament that of our senior masters is. It's true that you are attached to our old mistress' rooms, and that he can't, just at present, presume to do the least thing to you. But can it be, forsooth, that you'll be with the old dame for your whole lifetime? You'll also have to leave to get married, and if you then fall into his hands, it won't go well with you. Yin Yuan smiled ironically. I won't leave this place so long as my old lady lives. Yun Yang protested. In the event of her ladyship departing this life, you'll have, under any circumstances, to also go into mourning for three years. For there's no such thing as starting by marrying a concubine soon after a mother's death. And while he waits for three years to expire, can one say what may not happen? It will be time enough to talk about it when that day comes. But should I be driven to despair from being hard-pressed, I'll cut my hair off and become a nun. If not, there's yet another thing. Death. And as for a whole lifetime I shall not join myself to a man, what John would not then be mine for having managed to preserve my purity? In very truth, Pinger and Jiren laughed. This vixen has no sense of shame. She has now more than ever spoken whatever came foremost to her lips. What matters a moment's shame, Yuan Yuan rejoined, when things have reached this juncture. But if you don't believe my words, well, you'll be able to see by and by. Then you will feel convinced. Madame Sin said a short while back that she was going to look up my father and mother, 
but I'd like to see whether she'll proceed to Nanking to find them. Your parents are in Nanking looking after the houses, Ping Er said, and they can't come up. Yet in the long run, they can be found out. Your elder brother and your sister-in-law are besides in here at present. You poor thing are a child born in this establishment. You are not like us two, who are solitary creatures here. What does it matter whether I be born here or not? Yuan Yang exclaimed. You can lead a horse to a fountain, but you can't make him drink. So, if I don't listen to any proposals, is it likely, may I ask, that they'll kill my father and mother? While the words were still on her lips, they caught sight of her sister-in-law, advancing from the opposite side. As they couldn't at once get at your parents, Jiren remarked, they've for certainty told your sister-in-law. All this wench is good for, Yuan Yang shouted, is to rush about as if selling camels in the six states. If she heard what I said, she won't feel flattered. But while she spoke, her sister-in-law approached them. Where didn't I look for you? Her sister-in-law smilingly observed. Have you, miss, run over here? Come along with me. I've got something to tell you. End of section 42